Oh, yes, another extra basis with Bristol and Booth. You know, Jeremy, I never know when you're serious or you're kidding, but in Houston this past week, on one of the major highways, I-10, there was a cow which stopped traffic and an alligator which stopped traffic. You were responding to one of my colleagues' tweets about the cow. Is this story true about you and some unlit roads late at night covering Texas and Louisiana. Is this true what you tweeted? Tell me, you know, tell us you know, the story, tell us the story, and I'll be the judge on whether it's true. So we have a lot of fun in, in baseball, as you know, and you and I have a lot of fun doing what we do, but um, you know, some guys talk about having fat heads or their scouting directors, other guys, you know, talk, talk about, you know, little, little pillows, make sure there's cushions at the ballpark, I mean, whatever, you know, parking spots, cones, you know, that whole thing like they do like this for arrows. I mean, you know, just cool stuff. But, you know, th- this story, okay, this is how this goes. So this is 2009, it's 2009, and I'm coming out of East Texas. I forget where, it, may, it might even be in Louisiana, but I was coming out of East Texas. Now, on the east side of that, I should say Southeast Texas by Beaumont, not Northeast Texas. Okay. East side of that, there is a, um, a highway, highway six that you can connect on that side. Okay. I forget how I got, I mean, remember this is 12, 13 years ago. Now I forget how I got through there, but I got on highway six and there was at the time, you know, house here, maybe a house, another couple of miles away. Like there wasn't a whole lot out there and there sure weren't any lights while well, I was trying to get to Austin. Okay, and that was the way to get back to Austin. There's a high school tournament um, the next day that I had to be in there, be, uh, be there for. Um, and so I'm driving through, and I go through this farmland where there's no, there's nothing. Now look, it was a little late. I was driving the speed limit, thankfully, so I had enough time to see it. You know, two lane highway. It's one of those things where it's it's, it's a, a two lane highway, one going each way, and it had a a slope so you could fall off. It's just it's a drainage ditch for the for the water when it comes off the farm and off the roads. Doesn't kill the crops. At least that's what I was told. Anyhow, driving straight through, and all of a sudden ahead of me, I see a cow in the middle of the road. Now this thing is probably I don't know 100 feet ahead of me. By the time I can see it, maybe 120. I was driving a Dodge Charger, which I had gotten from my um, my supervisor at the time was a guy named Ray Montgomery, who's now you know, VP player personnel with the Angels. I actually talked to Ray the other day, so. Um, I sent him this tweet when I put it out there and I'm sure he got a pretty good laugh out of this. So I drive in his Dodge charger and I'm going down this highway or this road. And I see this cop, this cow about 120 feet away from me. And he's right in front of me. So I hit the brakes and I got my hands on both, you know, the 10 and two, like it's perfect. It's perfect driving school position. And I hit the, I hit the brakes. This cow doesn't know which way to go. So he turns around or she turns around and starts running in front of the car, like in a straight line in front of the car. And I'm just sitting like, this is good. This isn't going to happen. This is going to happen. And he's looking back or she's looking back like this over the shoulders. He's running. And I hit this thing from right underneath the backside and flip it. Okay. And the cow lands and kind of gets back up on its legs. And I'm sitting like this. <laughs> what are we doing? You know? And the cow looks at me like, are you all right? I'm like, are you all right? And he goes, she goes off his direction wherever she goes and never saw the cow again. So I didn't dare get out of the car. I just drove this car into Austin. By the time I got to Austin, the whole front end of the car, of the car was, was smashed. Now, I was on the phone with one of our, um, one of our scouts at the time, a buddy of mine, 
Well, you know, when you're an area guy, you get in the car and you call, you make all your calls, but you have other guys in the organization that you talk to or other organizations you talk to, you know, to pass the time on the roads late at night or they're gone all the time. So you're doing that. So we get to, we get to, I get to where I'm going. I park the car. It's probably four in the morning. I got to call this thing in. Like, I just can't. So I got to get, I get up on the phone and I call. It's a company car, right? It was registered. So I I don't dare call um, anybody's cell phone because it's 4 a.m. So I called into the office in Milwaukee. Leave a message in the office phone, right? I called in the office in Milwaukee and I left a message and I was trying not to laugh when I left the message. (laughs) But I get a call back in the morning. Bruce, Bruce side is our scouting director. Him and Ray had already talked about it. And, and Bruce was like, okay, so just give it to me straight. Were you drunk? I'm, I'm like, no, I just, this is what happened. And the cow flipped and he goes, that's unbelievable. You're, you're okay. I'm like, yeah. He goes, what? Tell me again what happened. I had to tell him the story like five times. He couldn't get it. Just couldn't get it. And finally Ray, Ray calls me on, uh, calls me up and he, I can hear him shaking his head. Like where he's at. And he's like, Jeremy, this really has happened for real. Are you serious? I'm like, yeah. And everybody started laughing. So I take pictures of the car and I send them in. That was it for the vehicle. Never saw the cow again. Kind of a funny story around, around our organization. And, but yeah, that, that, that was an interesting night. I wish I had pictures of that car. Me too. You don't have the pictures? No, I don't know what happened. That was 2000, like I said, 2009. So I ended up trading, you know, that was a rough year for vehicles for me. Oh boy. What does that mean? Well, here's, so, so here's what it means. It means that we traded that car in. We had a new scout who's now a cross-checker, former big leaguer. His name is Drew Anderson the next year, right? So I drove that car a little bit longer, got the front end fixed, you know, whatever. And Drew uh, took that car. It was just it was beat up. It was gassed. I ended up getting an Impala. They gave us Impalas, right? Well, in 2010, we had a lot of flooding that kind of happened when, in, when, you know, I've lived in the Katy area since I moved here. So at the apartment complex I was in at the time, having just been a new area scout, we had some flooding. Well, my entire Impala flooded out, okay? So I got in the car. I kind of let it dry out. Now, here's me. I had Southern California boy, spent some time in bought No idea what happens with flooding at the time, right? So I'm sitting there. Car kind of dries out, open the, open the doors. I turn the car on. They're not supposed to start when they get flooded. This thing started, okay? <laughs> this thing started. Now, I let all the water get out. It dries out. Get the seats down. I got to get to a game. I got to get to Baton Rouge, Louisiana to watch a high school kid in an LSU that night. Well, as I'm driving over there, they're going to play. They're going to play. They're going to play. And I, I don't meet uh, our, our East Coast guy, Doug Reynolds, was meeting me there. We watched part of one game and I think it got rained out. So it's over. Well, that's four hours. I got to get back home. I got to turn around and get back home to Houston. So I turn around and get in the car and drive that car back home. The next day, the car won't start. I'm like, it's dead. It's not going anywhere. You know, it's done. And they said, wait a minute, this car flooded out and you drove it eight hours and parked in the same time? I'm like, yeah, they go, that should never happen. You should be on the side of the road somewhere. So it was kind of a rough, rough 12 to 15 months with me and Milwaukee Brewer vehicles. I think all scouts should, the color of their car should be the color of the team. That would be, it would make them, you could identify them a lot better that way, but that's just me. It would have been a very interesting color because the time we had, well, same uniforms as now, but... Um, I was a big fan of the lighter blue with the ball and glove, you know, mm-hmm. the ball and glove actually for everybody's knowledge is an MB. Yes, it it's is. Not, not a ball and glove. It looks like a ball and glove, but it's an MB. It's an MB. M and B. 
Yeah. So now that was a lot of fun back. Those, those things actually happened. So do you believe me or do you not believe me? All right. I believe you. There, okay. There's too much detail in that story to not believe you. Jason, it's unforgettable. I was un the cow literally flipped, got up and looked at me like this. <laughs> I was like, we're good to go. That was, it was great. Great. I don't have any good, I don't have any, thank goodness, I don't have any stories like that. Yeah, it was, it was not a fun evening. It was funny after, but, you know, very easily that car, that cow could have not gone straight ahead, could have stood there on the side of the road, you know, <laughs> and Ray told me you can't, like Ray told me at the time, I mean, I didn't know, he had a Southern California uh, boy, I didn't know that if you swerve left or right to miss the animal and you crash the car, it's your fault. You have to actually hit the animal. If you hit the animal, the insurance will take care of it. If you get try to swerve it and hit like a tree or something to go in the ditch. Now, again, keep in mind, I don't know if you've ever been through this type of, of Texas, but there's literally nothing out there. It's hard enough to get cell phone reception. If you get a, a flat tire, you ain't going nowhere. You can't get a hold of people. Like it's tough. And I, I'm lucky I got out of there and I got to Austin, but one of the most, one of the more memorable nights um, in baseball for me ever had to do with nothing on the baseball field, but trying to get to a game and me and Bessie getting after it somewhere in the middle of West Texas. Can't hear you. You know, what was really interesting this week was to see Jeff Breidich step down as GM of the Rockies. You pull off this major deal sending Arenado to St. Louis and then not even a month into the season, he's done. Do you think that there's any correlation between those two? You know, I, I think that um, the Rockies have been an organization that's had a lot of good at times and a lot of not so good at times. I know you can say that about everybody. The Rockies seem to have um, at times lost a lot of their direction is what I would say. And, and I, I'm not saying it's limited to Jeff uh, uh, Breidich, right? Breidich, Breidich, Breidich. Um, Breidich. Breidich, yeah. Actually, I met Jeff once, well, a couple times, but I met him at Grayson Rodriguez's start with Danny Montgomery. And he seemed nice enough, you know, he was direct to me, he talked, he was fine. Um, but I, I can tell you that they when you have the Arenado thing go, go on, let's assume that was all accurate. As far, how, as far as how that was portrayed, um, you know, if you, if you're, if you, your relationships deteriorate with your players quickly, you know, there are other organizations out there that are just um, not going to struggle because of the relationship the front office has with the players. Seattle Mariners are one of them. Um, you know, if, if you, you know, we talked years ago about the Houston Astros, how the players were all out of here as soon as they had a chance, you know, because of the relationship, the front office, you know, so um that's going to be an issue, especially a guy like Arenado, who's their best player ever. He's their best player of all time. And they've had good ones. They have an Andres Galarraga, Dante Bichette, Todd um, Elton, Harry Walker, Todd Helton. And Arenado is the best guy they've had. So um, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a, got a big thing to do with it. Now with that, the athletic wrote an article that was um, detailed. A lot of what, you know, can only be termed as dysfunction, I guess, after the fact that was going on in Colorado. So, once that happened, it didn't seem like it was going to last too long. Now, uh, 30 days into the year, or 28 days into the year, yeah, that's probably a little faster than anybody thought, but it just it didn't seem like that was going to go too well, and a change was coming at some point. Um, 
you know, wish Jeff all the best. Again, he was nice enough to me. You never want to see people um, exit the game because in today's game, it's so if you want to stay in it, it's very hard to get back in it once you're gone. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a change there was apparently overdue. All right, Jeremy, we've also talked a lot about the draft league. And I believe it was The Athletic that came out with another article saying that I think one scout basically looked at this draft league and the prospects that are coming into it. It's really just a glorified tryout for the indie leagues. Yeah, that <laughs> was tough. I'm not that surprised by because when you look at this landscape of college summer baseball, and I'm going to call this college summer baseball because you're still dealing with juniors, I imagine, and seniors, seniors to be, most of the good ones have already been locked up by summer league teams anyhow, because summer league teams, they're usually, their rosters are typically set by their season ends in, in July, August. Their rosters are usually set by October for the next year. Right. Um, you know, when, when this came out, you and I did, you know, a podcast um, and, you know, I don't know if you still have clips for it. Jason Churchill, our buddy in Seattle, decided to cut that one up a little bit and make some gifts and some, some clips. And, and one of the ones that's been played a lot is I think I'm saying, you know, uh, what planet are we on? And you're on, we're on earth. We're on earth. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's one of those things where, where you look at it from the beginning and you're like, what are you doing? What are we possibly thinking? And, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you who there's a, a, a quote friend of mine who I have a lot of respect for actually, who works for PBR prep baseball report, who get, who's supposedly picking the players for this. Um, and right after the athletic art, athletics article came out and I quote tweeted it with our little clip of that, like the guy unfollowed me. And it was just, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't care about that. I'm going to go to bed at night. I'm going to have dinner and if, you know, we're done, I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to go about my day. This doesn't, but it, it, it's, there's a little bit of feelings that are getting hurt right now because of how this is going down. So let's just, let's just get this out there and be clear. Okay. This is a bad idea. Um, it doesn't function. It's inefficient. It was done so Major League Baseball, it, in some ways, would not get sued by franchises they just took from, you know, whatever millions of dollars they were worth to zero by eliminating their affiliates. But also cities that have had professional baseball for years and years and years. And well, it just yeah. basically snuffed them out. That's what it did. And this was their idea to make nice with those, those operators and those cities. Yeah, part, I mean, part of it, there's obviously the Appalachian League now that's college league for freshmen, you know, that whole step-up idea. There is a um, Pioneer League, which is an MLB partner league that's now the um, an independent league. There is, uh, you know, um, what, the Northwest League essentially has turned into high A-ball, right? I mean, just, this whole realignment stuff that they've done was designed to kind of give franchises something so that they wouldn't sue. And I believe... I'm not supposed to have knowledge of this agreement. Shocking, I have knowledge of the agreement. I believe that you had to stipulate that you weren't going to sue MLB, right, if they did this with you. Now, that I don't know if, what, what the terms were for like, you know, 20 years, 10 years. This draft league, it's not going to work. Now, are they going to give it a second shot? Yeah, they're going to give it a second shot because you don't commit to something for one year and then punt, right? They'll, do, they'll try it a second time. But – and far be it from me to throw out all the ways to help them 
to make this better and make this thing work. But let me just tell you what's not going to work if I can. All right. If you'll, if you'll indulge me for four or five seconds to speak my mind, which I know is so, so rare here. That's why you're here, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they pay me the big bucks. You're not for. here to talk about cows. <laughs> so um, 68 games in 72 days isn't going to work. It's not going to happen. Uh, throwing together developmental staffs and expecting college pitchers who have a chance to sign but have been used by their, their clubs and, and their college organizations or college programs to pitch for you all summer and then go back and pitch in the fall isn't going to happen, okay? Um, when you look at the data and the technology and the things that you're trying to sell, you're going you're gonna to gather, nobody cares, it, it, it doesn't work for that. It's not going to grab people to go. They can get that in college. They can get that at school. They can get that working privately. They can get that in every league. That's not just going to be unique to the draft league. Okay. Um, when you're looking at uh, the, the request, which my understanding is they've since, since backed away from this request, but you know, the Arizona Diamondbacks select Jason Bristol in the fourth round from the Mahoning Valley, wherever they're being called, right? Up there in the draft league. Mahoning Valley. Mahoning Valley. Valley. They were the Mahoning Valley scrappers. Come on. Nothing against Mahoning Valley, but the best part about it was that it was a minor league town. It's not a vacation destination. Okay. It's a minor league town. So, I mean, I can't, I can't really see, you know, Uncle Billy and the fam walk going to his wife and say, hey, you know what sounds good? Let's go for a four-day vacation in Mahoning Valley. Like, it's not, it's not going to happen. They could say, let's go see the scrappers play. Right. That, that would make sense. Okay. I'm going to do a tour of the league, but I digress back to where I was at. Um, is that the Diamondbacks then got to leave Jason Bristol in that league for the rest of the year instead of going to their complex or going to an affiliate and working with their people. That's a hard pass. Everybody I talked to, we said this before I talked to anybody, but everybody I talked to after was like, eh, not going, it's not happening. And so, you know, when I see Kerry Jackson, who by the way is a good guy, good guy, come out and kind of say what he had to say, um, coupled with prep baseball report picking the players. I feel bad for KJ because KJ kind of fell on the sword there. He kind of had to, right? He was kind of left out there in the wind. And the reality is just a bad idea in the first place. It's a bad idea in the first place. Matter of fact, I just want to check my – it's a bad idea in the first place, okay? It's not something that should happen. And, and the draft league needs to be modified greatly. Uh, the partnership is one that's in question. PBR, right, wrong, or otherwise. And look, in my, I guess in my other – my day job, my other world, they're a, quote, competitor. I don't believe in that. I think that you compete with the person in the mirror. I don't think you compete with somebody else, um, which is how I can get along with some of those guys and not – I just don't care. I don't. I care about us and what we do. Um, but PBR has taken an absolute beating for this publicly, for being part of this, and Major League Baseball has as well, because PBR's model is not about the professional player. It's about the college player. It's about helping uh, helping guys, uh, quote, as their hashtags say, be seen. It's about articles and subscriptions. It's not about development and advancement and first-round picks and second-round picks and high draft picks that go on. Our model is not about BC. Our model is about getting players prepared for the big leagues and something that's good for scouts and good for players. It's a totally different deal. Now, I'm not, that's why we're not competitors. What I am going to say is if you're a prep baseball report, the players you just picked reflect what you're used to doing. You think guys are dudes because they can play in college. That's nothing against college baseball players, but there's a separation there. 
and you have to be able to select guys and play professionally, and you have to be able to sell something to these kids that gives them a reason that they're going to do it. Their agents, their college programs, and the kids, and the teams. And so far, you're 0 for 4. So if you're 0 for 4, there's no reason why this is going to work. Now, I know I'm on my soapbox. Let me just get down a little bit, and let's say there is a way for this thing to go off and happen, but I'm not going to tell them how to do it. Okay? Darn it. I wanted to hear it. Oh, you'll but hear listen, they're going to be dealing with a shallow pool right now because basically all the good players have already, in many ways, been spoken for. Now, it's very interesting that we're bringing this up because I just happened to check Twitter. Scott Bradley, former Major League catcher, coach at Princeton, 33 minutes ago on April 30th, 2021, when we're taping this, unbeknownst to me, tweeted out MLB Draft League was created to replace minor league baseball for a few cities that had teams taken away. MLB Draft League is nothing more than mid-level collegiate summer league with a few high school players. Few players from Power 5 schools and a very few top prospects! Exclamation point. MLB trying to save face! Exclamation point. I don't know what prompted that. Maybe it was the article or the article in The Athletic. Somebody responds and said, any projections with regard to the longevity of this league? Would you recommend college athletes play draft league over some of the more competitive collegiate summer leagues? I can answer that question for you. No. (laughs) There's no way that the draft (laughs) league can compete with the Cape, can compete with the Northwoods League, the Alaska League, the California Collegiate League, to be honest with you, I don't even say, I don't even think it would compete with the perfect game Collegiate League. Ooh, man. Oh, first of all, Sean. And another person responded and said, it's a Band-Aid to save trouble with Congress. Senate politicians were pressuring them, threatening going after their antitrust protection. They were not in favor of them contracting the New York Penn, Appalachian leagues, they were told they needed to keep those franchises alive somehow. I don't know if that person's correct. I think there's some truth to that. I don't know. But I just think it's very funny that that tweet comes out literally 40 minutes ago when we're talking about this. First of all, Scott Bradley's a good dude. Um, Smart man, you know, great guy, well-respected, and he's right. Second of all, Jason Bristol's good dude, well-respected, and he's right. Third of all, whoever those people are underneath, they're good dudes, they're respected, and they're right too. And I'm, I'm just – there's so many things about this that doesn't work. And, um, you know, again, there is a way to make this thing go, Jason, um, and, I, and, I, and I know what it is. MLB then, has your number, right? They could probably contact you. Yeah, they, they do, but there's so many ways to make this thing go – and I, you know, it's funny because I, I got an advisory board and I don't know if you knew that, you got an advisory board. And with that advisory board, um, they do something called advice. And so when you ask questions about what they're going to think, you know, and you got to, you kind of in this baseball thing because, well, it's still baseball and what's going to work and what makes sense for players, you get an idea of what could possibly happen. So I'll leave that out there for a precursor for 2022. So I'm not telling them how to do it. I'm going to say it again. I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm not telling you who to pick, and I'm not telling you where to go. We've been down that road before. I'm not telling you how to do it. But this model you have isn't going to work. 
I have an idea. I actually want to. Um, hmm. Let me just do this here. Maybe, maybe. I'm going to write this. And let me see. And I'm, I'm just going to show it to you. And uh, why don't you talk so you're not going to see it. So talk. Okay. So talk about what? That? You're getting closer. <laughs> You're getting closer. Um, it, we're getting closer. The, the, half, the second half of that is definitely... I wrote something down. Hold on. Let me just jump in. I wrote something down. I'm not going to show anybody. Sure. And I'm going to, I'll make sure if it is seen on camera, I will edit it out. It wasn't um, vulgar or anything like that. It was an idea, but um, for spur of the moment, I thought that was pretty good, but obviously you've thought long and hard about this. Well, the second part of that is correct. Okay. The first part of that is in progress. The second part of that is accurate. And there's even another part of that you didn't list, but um, I'll tell you this, our pre-draft combine, which we announced like, you know, we announced actually all of our, a lot, all of our stuff before other people announced similar things is kind of what happens when you innovate. But in, in any event, um, our pre-draft combine is going to be a pretty good event, right? You need to start around those type of premises and go forward. You, know, you may notice usually baseball is doing regional pre-draft combines now, right? You know, you know anybody else maybe in this conversation that announced that last year? Uh, does he hang his jersey on his wall and have uh, NB on his sweatshirt? <laughs> he has NB on everything he wears, and the jersey's right up there. Um, you know, and, and there's there's you know the other thing. There's there's lots of other stuff about that looks pretty similar at this point. Um, I'm not going to tell them how to do it. There's a way to do it. They're not. They don't know and you know, maybe they do know and they didn't try to execute it. Maybe listen to the wrong guys. I'm not the only smart guy in the room. Our advisory boards aren't the only smart guys in the room, but um, yeah, I'm not giving them, telling them how to do this. If this can be done the way they're doing, it's not going to work. All right. So here's the deal. Let me bring up one past scouting report because I got to sign off. So okay. let's, let's do that. So let me go back and I will do this one. It's from 2015. I'm just going to read what you wrote and we'll see. I don't, I mean, you got, you've written up so many guys. I don't know if you'll be able to get it per that se. That was 2015, Jason. I wrote up like 230 something. Exactly. But I will tell you this, the body comparison is Scott Radinsky. Well, I mean, he's a left-handed pitcher, then he has to be. So Lesser setup in major league role, power arm, strength velocity with some ceiling, can spin the curveball, has feel for a change, effort delivery and stuff, will throw enough strikes for his delivery, and effort won't allow him to use the edges of the strike zone, throws it in the middle, lets the ball work, light four-seamer, needs to manipulate the fastball, uh, will be tough on left-handed hitters, but has stuff for both sides of the hitters. You said round six. Patrick Sandoval. Yeah, where'd he go? He's in the big ones with the Angels, right? But we're trying yeah. to get in the draft, didn't he? What's that? Later in the draft, didn't he? I think so. You know, our area scout out there, Gary Patchett, loved him. And um, I went out and saw him. I was obviously doing the West. I, remember, I never forget. Went and saw him pitch in a game. Probably got three innings. I'd seen him the summer before for a little bit. I wrote that report up off a very short look. Um, liked him. Thought he was, you know, ultimately a bullpen arm. I know he started for the Angels, but that doesn't make him a starter. I think he's a bullpen guy. 
Um, I, don't, matter of fact, I don't think the starting has worked out real well for him consistently, but I know he's a big leaguer. Uh, you know, our, our guys didn't listen to anybody whose name wasn't Devin Moore. So, I mean, when it comes down to that. Are know, we going to back to that again? I mean, it, it was Seattle in 2015, and we just didn't listen to anybody that wasn't Devin Moore. It's the way that worked. I mean. He was you know. uh, selected by the Astros, as you know, in the 11th round. You said exactly. must take by 10, I think you wrote. Yeah, I knew it was later in the draft. I mean, it was, just, it was one of those things that the guy to get armed, left-handed high school kid wanted to sign. I mean, you take that kid in the 10th round, if you can get him and you pay him. You know, sixth round was where he fit on my list. That's where I would have felt comfortable taking him. Tenth round was where I kind of thought he would fall, you know, and, and he obviously went in the 11th. But um, it's another guy that's a piece that we missed, you know, that we could have taken out of the West Coast, which apparently we didn't believe in California. But California has 20% of the big leagues coming from there. You know where else we didn't, we didn't believe in Texas either, which is amazing. We believed in, like, John, you know, Jamestown, New York. That's what we were going to go. We're going to go draft guys from there. Nothing against that, but like, wait a minute, take... wait a minute. You took somebody from Jamestown, New York. I still live I'm near. Just throwing that out there. I'm just throwing uh, that out. There. I'm oh, just throwing okay. that out there for where we where we fished. You know, you, I fish, gotcha. you fish where the fish are, right? And we spent a lot of time fishing where there weren't any fish. And I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing to say that you know guys out of out of out of up there can't play, but they're a lot less frequent than. You know, the, the, the traditional hotbeds, and I'm just one more time, allow me to check my book of, of, of California with 20% of the big leagues, specifically Southern California and the state of Texas and, and Florida and Georgia and even Arizona. We were like, eh, not doing it. Oh, you're from North Carolina? We're in. Oh, you're from uh, Georgia or uh, Jamestown, New York? We're good. You 5'11? 5'11? We're taking you. 5'11, 175. That's how we did it. Aaron Judge? Nah, we, we're good. We're good. We don't want that guy. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't want Adam Frazier. He's too little, but he's a performer in the SEC. Let's go take this guy from the backwoods of West Virginia and give him a million five because Devin Moore likes him. Now, that look, that story isn't true. I'm just saying that that was kind of the philosophy, okay? Devin Moore for president. Although you nailed it, Major League role, lesser setup. Another uh, chalk up another... Another win for Jeremy Booth on the scouting reports. Ah, terrible. You know, I, I, uh, I hated going to the ballpark, Jason. You know, one thing I don't like is baseball. I know, but that's what happens when you're a bitter ex-scout. Salty. Salty. All right, Jeremy, uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. I had a whole list of things to uh, talk about, but we didn't get to them. But that's why we have next podcast. So, uh, Jeremy, talk to you later. Everybody, yeah, like, subscribe, more, blah, blah, blah. One more thing before we go. Please consider donating to the Devitt Moore Foundation for uh, support, Scott and Rector support. <laughs> Good night, everybody.